Praise God. This morning's scripture reading comes from Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn from, from, for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Praise God. Thank you, brother. Praise God. Why don't we, t- we turn to the book of Deuteronomy? I'm sorry, the children may be dismissed. <laughs> I'm so pumped on the service here today. Praise God. Turn to the book of Deuter- Deuteronomy. Chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Two things, two things are important about today's message. One is that we, that we understand what God requires of us. And then the other thing is, of course, will we be willing to say yes when God tells us what, we, what is required of us? Um, and as I was saying, I see things happening more and more, and it's time that we simply take stock of our lives and make a decision. We all live in two worlds. We live in the physical realm. We go to work. We go to school, etc. We care for our families. We live in this physical realm. But then we, are also, we also exist in a spiritual realm of which we are really, really citizens. We are kind of sojourners, as the Bible calls us, or strangers kind of passing through this, this realm. Okay, we exist here, but we're kind of passing through. We are really citizens of the spiritual realm or God's heavenly realm. Our spirits came from heaven when we were conceived. And at the end, when we pass from this physical life, we return to heaven if we've been following a godly life. So this existence here on this planet Earth is transitory, it's temporary. We're here because God placed us here, and we have a job to do. Each and every single one of us has a purpose. It's just so pitiful that when I see people are born, they live, and then they pass on, and have not really fulfilled God's purpose. Not that I know God's purpose, but I see so many lives that, 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 that could have po- probably possibly been wasted. So while we are here, especially once we become Christians, we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we make a commitment to God, then that means that we have to really focus on our existence in God's spiritual realm and not overly so much in this physical realm. Because the problem is is that us being living here, obviously, and physical beings ourselves, um, we tend to focus more on this physical realm. So we need to think about the spiritual realm and where is it that God would have us to go. I particularly say this to young marrieds. I I especially say this to those with, with, with young children, with those that are about to get married. If you think that you can live this life successfully without God, you are greatly mistaken. You're greatly mistaken. Greatly mistaken. I speak from experience as someone that is a wee bit, not much, older than you. A wee bit. But having children that are grown and beautiful grandchildren and whatnot, I've been there. I've been through the struggles. I've seen what God can do. I've seen what God can bring you through. I've seen what happens when you know that God is calling you to do something, but you put off doing it. When you know what God requires of you, but you decide not to do it. So, yes, I've been there, too. And I know that the years that can be wasted because you decide to do or not do what God requires you to do, And God in his mercy, in his wonderful mercy, his boundless mercy, he will continue loving you. He'll continue loving you, continue watching over you. But the question is, how successful could you have been? How much more could you have done? How could you have raised your children in a way that would have been less troublesome, where their lives would have been smoother, if you had simply done what God required of you, and if you had simply said yes? Amen? So today, starting in the book of Deuteronomy, and with the 10th chapter, and I want to just go to the 12th, starting in the 12th verse. Deuteronomy 10, verse number 12. 
And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. So please put a bracket around verse number 12 or underline, highlight the whole thing, because here it, start, it, it starts this message today. What does the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God? As we said last week, that fear is not meaning fear as in terms of fright, but it's meaning reverence. Having, having reverence for God, respect for God, understanding that he is Lord God Jehovah, he's the creator of the universe, he is your creator. All that you have, you owe to God. Every breath that you take, every single heartbeat. The fact that you do not have to sit there and say to yourself, okay, heartbeat, okay, heartbeat, okay, heartbeat, or I'm going to take a breath, I'm going to take a breath. That you are designed so that you have a nervous system that keeps those functions going. This is the doing of a mastermind, of a creator. So we should have high reverence for him, okay? And to love him, to walk in his ways, and to love him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse number 13, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens belong to the Lord thy God. The earth also, with all that therein is. You see? So the very earth that we are walking on belongs to God. God is in charge of all, thing, all things that are in the heavens and on the earth. Verse 15 says, Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them. Even you, please in the line, even you, even you above all people, as it is this day, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. Please in the line, be no more stiff-necked. Stiff-necked means stubborn. Be no more stubborn. And how many times can we be oh so stubborn in our lives when we, we know what God is telling us to do? And if you're a child of God, you're filled with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You hear and feel this little quiet voice down inside telling you, do not do this or to do this. Or this is what I require of you. All right? But yes, though we often, many times, we choose not to do that. So that's being stubborn. That's being stubborn. You know, there was a time when I was a child, and I was a stubborn child. I was strong-willed, and I knew what my parents were telling me to do, and I was still determined not to do it. And boy, that had a set of consequences, and I thank God for the glory and the grace and the mercy of the Lord, you know, on me. Amen, amen. But stiff-necked is a very, very dangerous thing for us Christians, for a place for us Christians to be in. So, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and, and, and an awesome, who regards not persons nor taketh reward. Where underlines, please, regard, regards not persons, you know, uh, that means that he does not uh, have one person or one group of people in higher respect than the others. God will treat and love everybody the same. Okay, he's not a respecter of persons, nor takes reward. He does ex execute the justice for the fatherless and widow, and loves the sojourner or stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love you, thought you therefore, the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou Cleave, please underline, uh, thou shalt, uh, him shalt thou serve, and underline cleave, and swear by his name. All right? So fearing God means that, again, we will hold God in high reverence, and that we shall serve him, and that we will cleave to him. Now, cleave means to hang on to tightly. But how tightly do we hang on to God? Do we hang on to God for the couple of hours that we're in church and hearing the service and that we're here praising God and singing to him? And then the minute that we leave the building, we let him go? Do you cleave God into Monday morning? Do you cleave him Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday until we gather here again next time? Or do you just cleave to him and hang on to him when something is going wrong in your life? Or when there is something that you want, you see? So what God is requiring of us, one thing to start with, is to cleave to him. It's to cleave to him, you know, hang on tightly to him. And there's good reason for that because so many things can just pop into our lives so unexpectedly that if you're not hanging on and cleaving to God, you find yourself kind of left out there and you find yourself in difficulty and challenges and in pain. So when the word of God says to cleave on, to understand what that word means. Cleaves means to grab on and hold on for all, of, all, all your dear life. Amen. 
If you were in the ocean someplace with waves, I mean really in deep ocean, and you were on an ocean liner and you fell overboard and they threw you a life preserver, you'd be cleaving to that life preserver. You would really be cleaving. And for those of us who are not strong, strong swimmers, we'd be cleaving even harder. Amen? So imagine hanging on to that, to that uh, uh, buoy uh, or that lifesaver. That That's how we need to cleave to God because God is indeed our lifesaver. He continues here and says, He is thy praise and he is thy God who has done for thee these great and awe-inspiring things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons, and now the Lord thy God has made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. So in other words, for all that the, where the Israelites were enslaved to Egypt, and how they were taken out of that, and then through Abraham they propagated and as, multi, as, as many as the stars in heaven. But it also says that this is a personal thing for us, because it's telling us, this is speaking to us, He is thy praise, He is thy God. And has done for thee these great and awe-inspiring things which thine eyes have seen. Now, awe-inspiring, I suppose, is a relative condition. But if you've had something going on in your life, be it dealing with family, job, school, whatever it may be, career, and there was an obstacle there, there was something that was blocking the way and you did not know how you were going to get through it. There was something going on, some challenge, huge challenge that was in your life, and you didn't know how it was going to get there. And God delivered you through that. And at the time that God delivered you, you actually said, oh, wow, God did that. God did that. And you might even think back to how challenging and how difficult things were. And at that particular time, you didn't see that there was any way out. But when God delivered you, then to you, that was awe-inspiring. At least it should have been. There have been times in my life where things seemed to be impossible, where I was up against all, all odds, you know, and it just seems like it wasn't going to work out at all, and I did not see any way that it could. But when God delivered me from that thing, or when God supplied whatever that need was, it was indeed awe-inspiring. And in many times, in many times, if you're walking with God, and if you're cleaving to God, when those things happen in your life, you cannot help but feel it deep within your spirit, the love for God and the, and the gratefulness to God, where I've, I've broken down to tears just out of the fact that God loved me so much that he brought me through this thing that I felt was just absolutely impossible. And it was impossible for me. The things in your lives are impossible for you, but it's not impossible for God. And every single one, every single believer sitting here in the sanctuary today can reflect back. I'll bet you dollars to donuts you can reflect back in your life when God did something that was miraculous. That God brought you through some situation, okay? And you know how thankful you were to God at that particular time. And that's awe-inspiring. All things are relative. Maybe it wasn't awe-inspiring to me or someone else in the room here, but to you at the time it was awe-inspiring. So what God is saying here is that because of the fact that you have seen that in your life, have, make, make no, have no doubts. Do, do not be deceived. God can continue to do the same things on all difficult things that will come forth in your life. And it will be challenging times. Jesus said, when you have tribulation. Didn't say if he said when. So we all have them. But the point is, though, if you have that, you're clinging to that life preserved, to that life buoy, which is God. You will not sink when that challenge comes. Amen? He continues here in, verse, in chapter number 11. We're going to read uh, uh, chapter uh, 11 here, starting with verse number 1. Therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and keep his charge, and his statutes, and his ordinances, and his commandments always. O Lord, what is it that you require of me? What he requires is that we love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his ordinances and his commandments always. And know you this day, for I speak not with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, and his miracles and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all, the, all his land, and what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you. Please in the line, as they pursued after you. How the Lord has destroyed them unto this day. And what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came into this place. 
and what he did unto Dathan and and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and their household, and their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. Okay? So what God is saying is, you think back and look how I delivered you from Egypt. Egypt in scripture is many times a type of, 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 of evil or, or a type of our lives before we came to the Lord. Okay, because Egypt, Egypt is a symbol of bondage. And all of us, before we came to Jesus Christ and accepted him into our lives, whether you realize it or not, you are in bondage. You're in slavery. You're in bondage to all of the fears that you had. You're in bondage to, to worrying about all of the things that would happen in your life. You're in bondage. Once you came to the Lord and you submitted and gave yourself to Jesus Christ and accepted him as Lord and Savior, you were set free from that. You were made free from that, as the scripture said. Okay? So the same way Israel was set free from Egypt, so were we set free from Egypt. We were set free from the, from the life of, of bondage. Okay? But the same way after Israel was released, and you know the story, after Pharaoh said, let them go, he changed his mind and decided to pursue them. He wanted to bring them back into Egypt. He wanted to bring them back into slavery, back into bondage. Well, it's the same thing in our lives today. Just because you came to the Lord and you've gotten out of bondage and Jesus set you free, amen, okay? Which, by the way, I will say, the word says that you were made free and made free indeed. If you're still in bondage, it's not by God's doing. All right? If you're in bondage to anything, to any thoughts, to any feelings, to any worries, to any fears, it's not by God's doing, because God said he set you free. All right? So you're not living in Egypt anymore. You're not, you're not ordained. You're not meant to be in a state of bondage. This does not mean that you will never have a trial or tribulation, as I said before. But if you are in bondage to something, I mean, where you're constantly worrying and you're constantly afraid and your stomach is, is constantly in knots over a situation, over a condition that's going on, then you're in bondage. Okay? okay? And that is not God's intention. So the question is then, if you're in that state of bondage, then the question is, Lord, what is it that you require of me? What is it that you need me to do? What, where am I missing the mark? So he's telling them and reminding them how God brought them out of that. And even though uh, Pharaoh tried to bring them back in, as the devil tries to bring you back, Pharaoh, uh, God destroyed Pharaoh and his army. And so when the devil tries to bring you back into the old life, God will also destroy those or those circumstances that are trying to drag you back down. God is not going to let something drag you back down into that old state of being, into that old state of existence, into that old state of thinking. Okay? It is not his intent to let you go there. You see? But as Dathan and those did, who complained and fought against Moses, right? Went up on the mountain. What did they do? They made a golden calf and all of this. All right? Okay? What does it say? The earth opened up and swallowed them. God destroyed them. You see? Now, you have to realize, and this is not an evil thought for you to have. This is not a bad thing to do. So don't go feeling, oh, well, I shouldn't think poorly that God's going to destroy someone because of what they're doing to me. This is God's word. God does not take kindly after people that are, are, are to, with people that are, are persecuting us, his children. He does not. He does not. And people that are persecuting you or are by design trying to do things bad to you, evil to you, God will deal with them. As it says elsewhere in Scripture, the battle is not yours, it's mine, God says. So the same way these folks here were destroyed when God finally said enough is enough and the earth opened up and swallowed them up. When people are trying to drag you back down, trying to get your eyes off of Jesus and trying to get you into a state where you are back in spiritual bondage again, God will deal with that. God will deal with that. And it may not be in the next 30 seconds or 30 minutes or hour or the same day. It may be over a period of time, but that is not your worry. God will sustain you in the meantime. The whole 40 years that Israel was wandering through the desert, I saw an archaeological map one time in the distance, I forget the mileage, but it was something that they could have traversed in a very, very short time. But they wandered for 40 years. They wandered for 40 years. During that time, God had a work to do. 
God was dealing with them and he was dealing with those that were in opposition to them. You see? So God will also deal with things in your life. But it may not happen in the next hour, in the next day. You, you, you know, I mean, everything's in God's season, as we said before. But God will not let you be brought back to Egypt, back into bondage again, if you so desire to do what God requires of you. Okay? Don't think that you can be prosperous and, and, and move on and excel if you're not doing what God requires of you. Amen? Amen? So it goes on to say here then in verse number 7, um, But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land in which you go to possess it. Please in verse number 7 again, But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. This is keep, it keeps coming up in my spirit, so I'm going to dwell on it a bit more. All of us have had wondrous things happen to us by God. You've prayed for things. You had wants. You had needs. You had desires. You had worries. You had fears. You had issues, whatever they were. And God answered your prayer. He brought you through it. Something went so right for you. And I know that's a fact, I believe, for every Christian that is sitting in this room. Somehow God has shown you in his life, you see what I can do. And I don't care how minimal it may be. I don't care. You know, whether it's something as, you know, removing a bump off your back or something like that, or, 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 or having a flat tire. Happened to me a few weeks back, not sure of how to manage even getting the thing fixed and where to go because I was constrained with time and had to be someplace to a meeting and did not have access to my vehicle. But working out little things like that shows me repeatedly, you see, Michael, my son, I have your back. I'm here for you. So you stop and think about these little things which may to you may be trivial, but this is God showing you, look what I can do. You see? And that's what he's saying here. Look, 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 what, look what I can do. Verse number 7, But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. And to, and, 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 and to many, maybe figuring out how to, to get your car and your, your tire fixed to get you to that meeting, maybe to many it was not a big thing. But to me at the time, it was a very big deal. A very big deal in getting to where I had to be. You see? see so, so, but your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land in which you go to possess it, and that you may prolong your days in the land. Please in the line, and that you may uh, prolong your days in the land. So if you want to prolong your days in, in, in the land, then what are the things that you have to do? You know, what he said in the preceding verses. Verse number 8, Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong. People wonder why they're not strong and why they, they don't have strength to get through a day or to get through a week or to get through a month. Well, maybe they're not doing what God has required them to do. You see? And it says there, and the condition is to do those things, and the reason, the, the reason why is in verse number 9, that you may prolong your days in the land. Prolonging your days in the land, I mean, obviously we're not in, in, Israel, in Israel or Canaan, but it's the days in your land, in your existence right here. This also means prospering in what you're doing. Not only long years of life on this earth, but it means to prolong your days of prosperity in this land, in this time, in this season that God has placed you in. Amen? Verse number, uh, uh, number 9, Which the Lord sworn to your fathers to give unto them uh, and to their seed a land that flows with milk and honey. Verse number 10, For the land to which thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt. From where you came out, where thou sowed thy seed and watered it with thy foot as a garden of herbs, but the land to which you go to possess, it is a land of hills and valleys, and drinks water of the rain, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even until the end of the year. So what's that, what that is saying is that, where God is taking everyone that is in sound of my voice, God is taking you into a place that you have not been. It is not a place where there is struggling. There is not a place where there is all of these turmoil and, and issues going on. He's going to bring you to a land that flows with milk and honey. So in other words, the next step of your life, 
I mean, obviously, I don't believe God is going to pick us up and transport us to these hills and valleys. We're all going to be living, you know, out in the, in the hills someplace. But whatever it is in your life, you know, when God is talking about into this land for us today, it's talking about a spiritual condition. It's talking about a spiritual place. It could possibly be that maybe God does want to have you relocated, go into a new house or into a new city or state. But it also talking, it's talking about your state of being. It's not going to be in, in, you won't be in the state that you were at one time when you were struggling, you see. But there's a condition to you getting into that promised land, and that is by doing and keeping his commandments and keeping your eyes on him. It goes on to say, um, it, it says that he's bringing you to a place that he cares for in verse number 12. And the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even to the end of the year. But don't think that, that our God is a part-time God. Let me just pause there for a second. Don't think that our God is a part-time God. God is not just here looking at you, looking over you, just when you want him to be, when you think he should be. He is there with you from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Amen? Amen? And, and one of the things I always think about was where um, Elijah was challenging the four prophets of Baal. And they, they had a competition going, and they said, whoever God answers to burn up the bullock and the things they had on the altar, well, that'll be who we, we will consider the most powerful God. And the 400 prophets of Baal, uh, they jumped up on the altar, and they started all their loud praying and banting and jumping around, and, and their God didn't answer. And then they went on doing their things. Then they decided, okay, we need to shed blood. So they started cutting themselves, and, and God didn't answer. And God, with his sense of humor, in Scripture wrote down, Elijah said, well, where is your God? Is he off? fishing someplace he's not answering you you know and this is in scripture so so what, what Elijah is saying you're doing all this wild screaming and crying and you're cutting yourselves but this so-called God that these prophets of Baal demon worshippers um, this God is not answering you amen Elijah went on and did what God wants, wanted him to do in praying to him and seeking him and so forth. And the Elijah fire, which you hear me speak of often, the Elijah fire came down and consumed the offering. So obviously Elijah's God is more powerful, you see. So I'm saying all that to say that God is always watching over us. But so many times we forget that, you see. And that's because when things are going badly in your life, when there are challenges in your, in your life, one of the most powerful weapons that the devil have, has is to make you feel alone is to make you feel like you're left out there and you're struggling. God doesn't hear you. You have no one to turn to, no one to pray to, you see? But you have to remember that God is with you from the beginning of the year, even until the end of it, all the time. Verse number 13 says, and moving on, um, and it shall come to pass, if, please in the line, if, if you shall hearken diligently. Now, please in the line the word diligently. Unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in its due season. Please in the line, in its due season. I will give you the rain of the land in its due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy grain and thy wine and thine oil. Okay? So here the condition now, it says, what is God, what do you require of me? It says, if it shall come to pass, if you hearken diligently. Now, hearken diligently means to, to hearken is to listen and to follow and, and do what's being said. But it says diligently. So diligently means that this is not a part-time thing. We can diligently go after so many things in our lives that we want. We can diligently seek so many different things that we want. But are we always diligently seeking God? You know, are we always conscious of the fact that he's there and that he wants to help us? And that term diligently shows up so many places in Scripture. And, and you will find in reading Scripture that when something is repeated many, many times over and over again, it's because God is trying to make a point and trying to get, a, trying to get your attention. You know, anyone that teaches school will know that the, what are the teachers call it? Spaced repetition. Spaced repetition when you're teaching a child, where you say things repeatedly over and over again because you're trying to drive the point home. You're trying to make it sink in. Well, God uses words and terms and phrases the same way in Scripture. And many times we see, hearken diligently unto me, okay? Cleave to me. So all of that tells me that what God requires of me is that he does not want a part-time association. He does not want me in a part-time relationship with him. I need to cling to him. I need to diligently seek his face. Okay? 
If you needed something from someone very, very badly, if you needed a job, you know, and they told you to call them at, you know, 8 o'clock or whatever, you would diligently be calling that person. You would diligently follow up. You'd be, be, be chasing that person down almost, you see. But we just kind of take God for granted and just kind of say, okay, well, I'll go see him on Sunday. Occasionally during the week, I'll pray to him in the morning or the evening or maybe during the day. But I won't diligently seek him, you know. Think about that. How many times in the most trivial of circumstances do you think about consulting God? Do you think about diligently seeking Him? Amen? Amen? So he goes on to say there, um, uh, hearken diligently. Okay, then in verse 14 again, just to revisit, that I will give you the rain of your land. And there it is again, due season. Everything is in God's season. It's not in our time. It's in God's season. The first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest harvest thy grain and thy wine and thine oil, and I will send grass of thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart not be deceived. Please in the line. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart not be deceived. And you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Please in the line. And serve other gods and worship them. And you've heard me speak on that many times before, because quickly people will say, oh, well, Pastor, I don't have any idols in my house. I don't worship any other gods. You know, I don't go after Buddha or Allah or anyone else. But if you have anything in your life that is more important than God, that, 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 that keeps you out of church repeatedly, that you're putting first, that you let people or circumstances come into your life that will keep you away from worshiping God on a Sunday, and coming together to, to, to gather with the brethren, the word of God says, forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. Amen. And there's good reason for that. And again, and again, I'm not saying that we don't all deserve a vacation, that we all don't get sick sometimes when you can't make it to church. But I'm saying someone that repeatedly puts other things before God, repeatedly puts people, places, circumstances, or whatever it is before God, they cannot expect to really prosper and benefit from what God would have from them because they can't be doing what God requires of them if you're not there. If you're not showing up at work, can you do what your boss requires of you? If you're not showing up in class at school, can you do what the teacher or the, or the, the, the educational system requires of you in order to pass and to graduate? Amen? But with God, we just kind of take that so, so for granted. Amen? Amen? So it says diligently and serving and serving other gods. And you have to be so careful about putting things, because it, it, it can happen so, so easy. I mean, all of us have interests. You know, I mean, I know folks that restore cars, and, and I love my computers and gadgets, you know. And, I mean, especially if I get a new gadget in the mail from Amazon on a Saturday that I'd love to stay home on Sunday and play with. <laughs> okay. All righty. Okay. All right. Okay. But then I stop, and I'm serious about this. I remind myself, well, gee, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have been blessed and able to get that in the first place. Amen. Amen. So we can't go putting things before God because then it becomes a God. All right? and, and then you, become, you get into the habit of that, you see. And the most important thing, something that my pastor told us many, 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 many years ago, he always said that, must be, I'll, I'll just, just say it, he said that you don't know when and how Holy Spirit is going to move. You don't know. We can't control the wind. God does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And if you have someone that's willing to follow the call of God, minute by minute, whatever God says to do something, to do it, that means that minister, that pastor is going to do what he feels Holy Spirit telling him to do. He does not necessarily know that it's going to be the 18th of the month at 3 o'clock or whatever. But our pastor used to always tell us that on that one day that you cannot get out of bed to go to church that Sunday, and you just feel like, oh, well, I went last week. I didn't miss any days for the last month. I can take off. That one day that you miss, you may have missed out on a major blessing. On a major blessing. There may have been a sermon that you really needed to hear that God was really going to speak to you through. There may have been a healing line that was called. There may have been a prayer and anointing service where Holy Spirit wanted you, to, you there to receive of that blessing. And on that time that you missed... Because you did not follow what God was telling you to do, or you put something else more important, you felt was more important, you can miss out on a blessing. 
pastor used to always tell us that Holy Spirit can move throughout a service, but the whole point of the praise and worship service is where you are praising and worshiping God, and this is where many, many times the move in the presence of Holy Spirit is moving. He said you should be there for praise and worship. Do not just show up just when the service is going on. You should be there for praise and worship. This is where you may or may not miss out on blessings. And I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen my pastor send forth a prayer for someone that people in the congregation know, knew that this person needed to be here to benefit from what was being said, you see. But that person was out putting something or someone else before God. So this is how, over repeatedly doing that kind of thing, that action winds up developing another God where you're putting them before God. This is what this is, this is talking about. Amen? Amen. Not just the little statues. It's because you don't have little carved images in your house. doesn't mean that you're not worshiping something else or some other situation. Amen? Amen. So we have to, we have to make sure that we're, we're not doing that. And serve other gods and worship them. 17. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, if you wind up doing that. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven. That there is no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless you perish quickly from off the good land which the, Lord, which the Lord giveth to you. You see? So it has its dangers if you wind up putting other things or situations before God, because God, then God can shut down the rain. You see? Now, obviously, you say, well, Pastor, I'm not depending on the rain. I'm not a farmer and whatnot. You let God, you let God shut down his spiritual rain in your life, and that means that the blessings and the protections that you have will not be there, or you will not receive what you need to receive in due season. You see, because you're not doing what God is calling you to do. You're not doing what God requires of you. Verse 18, therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul. Listen to what he's saying. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as, from, as frontlets between your eyes. Now, this is where you've heard me speak about it before. It's called a phylactery. And uh, many of the Orthodox Jews to this day, and if you look online, you can see where you can actually buy these. It's a little, little leather box about so big, and it's, uh, it's worn up here right between the eyes, and within that box are scriptures. It's called a phylactery. If you wanted to buy them, you can go online, you can see they cost four or $500. These are very expensive pieces of religious items, if you will, to the Orthodox Jews. And they also is worn on their, I think, their left hand. And even the laces that hold that phylactery in place is very intricately woven between the fingers and around the head. It's very, it's not just wrapped around willy-nilly. Going between the fingers has a meaning. It has some significance, all right? So this is saying to keep it very close to you. God is saying you to keep it really close to you. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontless between your eyes. Bind it, your hand, and your frontlet, the phylactery in your forehead. And you shall teach them to your children. You see, it's important for us to know this, this word so that we can teach it for our children. Again, getting back to young folks, young marrieds, and those who are about to get to marry, if, if you don't have God in your life, what are you going to teach your children? How are you going to raise them? You know, when they start getting to school, and, and children in school can be very, very mean. Let's face it, young children can be very mean. How are you going to teach your children to get along in school? How are you going to teach the word of God to your children when they start doing things in school that are, are, are not in accordance with God's word? You know, when they have your kid wanting to cut out some demonic Halloween activities in the classroom or wanting to go down some other path. You you know, we always trained our kids and said you ought to be respectful to your teachers. They are the authority when you're in school. However, you guys know the word of God. If they start pushing you over over that, that line, then you need to respectfully tell them that you can't participate, that you cannot go along. When these kids, these kids, when these, my, when my family were in, in uh, elementary school, one of the things my wife and I did was going to the first day of school, we sent a letter to the teacher they're saying, we are Christians and this is what we believe in. Our children will be obedient to you. However, if you ask them to do so and so, and if they decline, they are not being disrespectful to you. And if you have any issues, please feel free to call my wife and I. And we've done that for years, the whole time they were in elementary school. and never had any problem. Well, there was one that we had, and we dealt with it speedily. But I'm saying that this is talking about you shall teach them to your children. 
If you can't teach your children the world, the word of God, especially in this world, the way the world is going today, then your children will not know how to survive and how to exist. And you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, please in the line, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when you risest up. Okay? I know that many of you do read Bible stories to your children. I praise God, and God bless you for doing that. And it shows. It shows in the lives. It shows in the lives of those children. Amen? You need to make sure that you're raising them and that they know the word. Verse number 20 says, And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates. Okay? Write them upon thy doorposts. Again, going back, back to the Orthodox Jews, there's a little um, container that's called a mezuzah. And you see it a lot back in New York where there are, are, are a number of Jews, and it's on the doorpost. Today, they still use them. It's usually an elaborately carved little piece of metal. Uh, many times it has the Ten Commandments on it that's written in Hebrew on it. And inside that mezuzah are scriptures written in Hebrew. Pieces of paper. They fold it up very, and they put it in there. And then that mezuzah is fixed to their doorpost. All right? One of the ways you could always tell an apartment or a house of someone that was, that was Jewish, Hebrew, uh, for an Israelite, was you pass their apartment or the house and you see that mezuzah, you know right away that they're orthodox. Amen. So this is still being done today. You see, now, we don't do this, but as far as putting them on the doorpost, but basically what it's saying, though, is to, is to write it in, in your heart, though, and, and to focus on it upon thy gates, that your days, verse 21, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of, and the days of your children, underline, and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon earth. I've got to pause there a minute again. If you're not believing this for yourself, then, my gosh, if you have children... Believe it for your children. Amen. Because what you do or do not do will definitely impact your children. Definitely. Okay? And this is, this is, this is, this is a spiritual side, you know? I mean, you all know about the, what do they say, that a, a child who was beat constantly, abused, abusive child, she was, he or she was abused. When they become parents, then they often do the same thing. Well, spiritually, though, this is saying here that if, if you're not... Studying the Word of God and giving the Word of God for your children, they can be greatly impacted as they, as they start growing up. They start growing up, okay? In the days of your children, in the lambs, the Lord sworn to your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon earth. For if you shall diligently keep all of these commandments, Lord, what do you require of me? For if you shall diligently keep all of these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, there it is again, and the, the operative word there is if, in verse 22, underline that please, if you diligently, all right, and cleave unto him, then, verse 23, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and you shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. So in other words, if you do what God is telling you to do and what he requires of you and diligently seek him and cleave to him, then all of those things in your life that are coming against you, all of those things that are rising up, be they people, circumstances, or whatever that are rising up against you, those issues shall be, shall be defeated. All right? And the greater things that may come up before you in life, you'll overcome and you'll succeed them. You'll, you'll succeed in them. Then will the Lord drive out all these nations, drive out all issues from your life, from before you, and you shall possess, you shall be successful. Uh, you shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. Okay? So that means, obviously, you get out the store and you going to Winco and your feet hit the ground and you're treading in Winco. Doesn't mean Winco is going to become yours. <laughs> okay. Every place that you go, wherever your feet tread upon. All right. All right. But it means in terms of challenges in your life. Okay. It says that every place wherein the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. For the wilderness and Lebanon from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the uttermost sea shall your border be. So that means that you'll be successful in life. You'll be successful. Wherever you go, wherever you travel in life, you will succeed. Amen? Amen. You will not be wanting. You will not be struggling. Verse 25. There shall no man, no man, no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you. Okay? Don't be afraid of what man can do to you. What does, again, the psalm say? 
Amen. I will fear. I fear not what man can do to me. Okay? What is the most that a man can do to you? The most that a man can do to you is physically take your physical life. But then to us children of God, what does that mean? It means very little. You take your physical life, you're home with the Lord. Amen? So you benefit that way too. All right? Now that doesn't say that you go out there and you pick on some big six foot six guy and you challenge him and kick him in the shins and say, I dare you, I dare you, I dare you. That's being just stupid. Okay? But whatever a man can do to you, the only one that you fear is the Lord because he's the only one that can destroy a soul. You see? You see? When you get it all to, into perspective in real life, that is the afterlife. It's what comes after this existence that is really, really important. Then you will go through this life not fearing people or fearing circumstances. You see? You see? And if you fear, literally fear no man. Okay? And I can say that very, very comfortably. I fear no man. I will give respect. The Word of God talks about giving respect to those in authority over you. It doesn't mean because I don't fear a man that I'm going to go repeatedly drive through red lights and then I get hauled before the judge, tell the judge to go take a long walk off a short pier. I'm not going to do that because the Word of God talks about being respectful. But what it's saying, though, is do not stand in awe or fear of a man so much that you're not, you lose sight of the fact that God can deliver you, that God can protect you. Amen? That God can protect you. No man shall be able to stand before you. Verse number 20. Behold, in closing here, behold, I set before you this day. Please underline that. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Okay? This is today. Perhaps this day is meant for you to hear these words. Perhaps this day is meant for you to do some serious thinking about where you stand in God. Perhaps this day is where it is meant for you to go back and think about what God has brought you through. Where there was something that you were concerned about or feared in getting through. And God successfully brought you through it. That this day you think about what the Lord has done. Because it says here, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing... Here's in the line, a blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, underline, which I command you this day. So again, going back to the song, Lord, what is it that you require of me? Amen. And then will you say yes? A blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse, underline, and a curse, if you shall not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to do what? To go after other gods which you have not known. Okay? So this day, this day, this day, today in 2014, you're hearing these words, you're reading these scriptures. You've sang these praise songs. You've praised God and you worshipped him. There's a reason, there's a reason, there's always a reason why God says what it is that he says and the message is in, whatever is in the message. Because this is speaking to someone, either that is here or that will be hearing this on the internet, on the, in the podcast. But this is this day where some of us, all of us, for that matter, need to think about, Lord, what is it that you require of me? And will I say yes? Okay? And a curse if you will not obey the commandments to go after other gods that you have not known. And it shall come to pass... When the Lord thy God has brought thee in unto the land to which thou goest to possess those things that are out before you that you are yet to see, these wonderful things that God is about to do for you where you will be in the Lord, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Are they not on the other side of the Jordan by the way where the sun goes down in the land of Canaanites who dwell in the Arabah over against Gilgal? Beside the plains of Moray. For you shall pass over the Jordan and go in to possess the land which the Lord your God gives you. Please underline all of that. For you shall pass over the Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God gives you. And you shall possess it and dwell therein. All right. 
So God is saying here today that whatever those things are, whatever those challenging times are that lay before you, whatever it is that you're praying for, whatever the, 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 the desires are, you know, be they monetary, be they dealing with things or, or, or employment or, or, or issues or people or whatever it is that may be out there, God is saying that if you will do what he requires of you, if you will cleave to him, if you will follow and obey his commandments and seek his face, Seek his face. Seek his face. And I can't overemphasize the importance of that. You know, every single thing that's in your life, especially if it's something important, especially if there's a fear, if there's a concern, if there's a new condition in your life, be it employment, a job, a new baby, whatever it is that's going on, seek God's face. You know, you've heard me say this a dozen times, and I am so serious about this. One of the worst things in the world that makes me nervous, and God always brings me through, is when I have a meeting in Portland, and I always take the train up, and the timing is that if I miss that train, the next train I'll be way too late for the meeting, and it's always important meetings. And I drive into that parking lot at Amtrak, and I don't see a parking space, okay? And you do not know. Every single time when I go to catch that early morning train where I know that if I miss that one, I will not be able to get, I always pray, Lord, let me find a parking space. I kid you not. And every single time I will drive in and I'll see the cars, especially during the summer months when the kids are out of school. I'll drive in and there's cars, 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 cars. Then all of a sudden, to the left or to the right, there's a space. It has never failed me. All right. So I'm saying that to you is that I put God literally into every single little thing. And you need to get in the habit of doing that. Amen. Because when God sees that you seek his face for the littlest thing. All right. I mean, obviously, you you seek his face and he expects you to do something. I don't say, Lord, find me a space. Now I just park the car and sit there. I mean, obviously, you got to keep driving. Amen. Amen. So when you're praying for these things, you're seeking God's face, there's something that you must do. But seeking his face, first of all, activates the hand of God. Because God is then seeing that you're relying on him, that you're trusting in him. He's a father and he loves you so much. All of us that have children and even those that don't have children yet, you will. And, or you have nephews, you have younger people that are under you. And you know that you enjoy younger people to come to you to ask you for help. Well, so it is with us, with God. He wants us to ask him. Amen. So if you do these things, you shall indeed pass over 31. You shall pass over the Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God gives you. And you shall possess it and dwell therein. And you shall observe to do all the statutes and ordinances which I set before you this day. So in a nutshell, Lord, what do you require of me? He's answered. Observe to do all the statutes and ordinances which he set before us this day. Okay? And then the other question is, will you say yes? Amen? Will you say yes? Okay? Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. Continue and think on it. Meditate on it as you go through the balance of the week that is ahead. Chew on it. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.